Today on the show, we're going to listen to an excerpt from a lecture by Terrence McKenna on the impact of culture on our lives. And then we're going to have a discussion regarding this and consciousness and what is going on in today's culture. I rely on the generosity from you, the listeners, to help support me in this podcast. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. All I ask is that you make a donation. Give what you feel that you've received from this podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class. It could be more, whatever you feel that you can give. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. And you can also find this link in the episode description. You can give in any currency, including Bitcoin, to help keep me out of the system. Please help support this podcast. I'd like to add video to it. And I'm sure that you would enjoy this, but it all costs money, and I'd like to be able to fund this through your help. Please continue to support the podcast by sharing it with a friend. Find two people that you think would enjoy this podcast and share the link with them. Help me spread the word. Okay, let's get to it. Beautiful am I, bountiful am I. Blissful am I Beautiful am I Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Like many people, over the last couple years, you've been forced to look at life in maybe a different way or from a different perspective, or at least uh, change your approach to life in some way, whether this was because it was uh, mandated or because you started to recognize things that you didn't before. And as we can see from our culture, the things are continuing down this accelerated path, and where is this all leading, and how are we to interact with it? This is the question, and this has been a, a, a big question for me, something that I've kind of struggled with getting a proper perspective on as I've been forced to adapt to things that are out of my control. And I think many people are like this. And and this is also really trying to get a better understanding of your path in life. How do you communicate through these changing environments? What is the best way for you to communicate? What is the best way for you to interact in the landscape that we find ourselves in? And I can tell you from my perspective, you know, when we look at yoga, there's basically two paths of yoga. There's the householder and the renunciate. And the householder is a person who pursues the path of self-awareness, but by living in society, and like it uh, sounds, is to have your, your typical life with a family, working your job, but also 
putting in the time to create self-awareness and doing things that help guide you in this way. But by doing this and staying within the community or staying in what we say the householder's life. And then there's the renunciate. And this is a different path. It's a path to the same thing. It's a path to self-awareness, to self-realization. But it is the path of renouncing the householder's life and dedicating all your time to the process of self-awareness. And so while the householder has obligations and responsibilities, such as the mortgage of the house or the family or the job, the renunciate lets go of all of these responsibilities to pursue full-time the understanding of who you are and how you relate to this experience in life and to understand and appreciate and ultimately realize God. Now, neither path is better than the other, the householder or the renunciate. They're just different paths to get you to the same place. Of course, being a renunciate, you're dedicating more of your time, more of your effort into this one focus. Many years ago, I decided to choose the renunciate. I had a very good paying job. I had the lifestyle that people would really enjoy, and I was creating this future of the householder's life. But for my karma, for my inclinations, for my curiosity, my interest, I started to gradually become a renunciate. And when I say gradually, I mean it wasn't so much of a conscious choice more than it was just allowing things to evolve until they evolved to a certain place where I looked around and realized what I have created. And this is the way I recommend you do everything in your life. And I've talked about this as well as the way I have done everything in my life is to just allow your curiosity to guide your path. And through this curiosity, focus on your self-expression. And if this self-expression leads you to a particular situation in life, allow it. Don't resist it. Because this is how you start to realize your true self is by expressing yourself and looking at what is the resistance to my authentic expression. And so choosing this renunciate path, I've been traveling around for about 20 years now without really a a set home. And the last almost 10 years now, eight years, nine years, been riding around on a motorcycle throughout India, living in ashrams, monasteries, caves, and, and being able to carry all my possessions. And as I was living this lifestyle, I let go of many of the traditional things. I stopped focusing on the current events, uh, the news. And this is one interesting thing is when I'd come out of these long meditation retreats where you have no contact uh, with the outside world for at sometimes, you know, two months or, or whatever the, the retreat was, 
And you have no idea what you're going to encounter when you come out. What can have changed? Maybe we're in another war or maybe something has really happened. Who knows? And this was always a strange feeling. But as I was going down this path, I made a conscious effort to not involve myself in news. I stopped reading any of the news that was going on, and I looked at this as just drama, these games that people are playing that have very little impact on my life. And I went years and years without really knowing much about what was going on in modern society. I don't know anything about pop uh, culture, which I'm grateful for. And I didn't know anything about politics or any of that. I stayed out of this. However, the last couple of years, I've been a little forced to get back into this because of the effect it's had on my life, like everyone. And it really had a huge impact because I am living outside of this system that is is uh, created by our, our culture, by our uh, society. And when you're outside of the system, you navigate life a little differently. And in the past, it's been not the easiest way to go about life, but it, you, you're able to figure out how to do things in a different way and keep yourself outside of the system. But as we see the last couple of years, there's been this push to get everyone hooked into the system, whether you like it or not. And this is really the big push. So, like many people, you start to read and research what's going on and how is this affecting me. But there's also this trade-off of what kind of peace of mind do you have after seeing the idiotic things that are happening in our society. And I think we all go through this to some extent. And... When you have a mind that is logical and reasonable and and open, and you see what's going on, it, it I think it maybe infuriates you or or at least causes you some frustration because now it is starting to have a big impact on my life and and like many other people. And if you've been in the system and you operate within the system, maybe your impact has not been as great or you've been maybe has been easier for you to regain the the life you had before because the system goes back to a certain way and you just start uh, getting involved in it more and more but when you're outside of it it's been a challenge and uh, we'll talk about this a little later more but like many people there's a point in which you say okay is this really helping my peace of mind or is this harming my peace of mind? And how much should I be involved in understanding what's going on? Because really, what effect can I have to get people to see what's going on, to help people understand and be aware of this? And so I took this kind of as my role since February of I think it was February of 2020, because I started to see what they were saying and what was really happening 
And so I started to post on social media my understanding to help create awareness for people. And even if they thought I was wrong, at least for them to question what's really going on, because maybe I'm not 100% right, but at least I wanted to inspire people to think for themselves and not take what is being told to them at face value. And within the yoga community, or within uh, all, all of this, there, there was quite a bit of pushback in the beginning. Uh, I think I lost, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of uh, followers on, on social media when I posted this. And it's funny because everything I posted came true, 100% of it. I was not wrong about uh, anything. And so you start to think about, well, is this my responsibility? Is this harming me more than it's helping me? What is going on? What should be my role? Or, and I, I'm not just talking from me personally, but when I say my, I'm saying, what is your role? What, what is your position in this culture? And I remember a friend of mine who had some intimacy issues, and this was part of her karma. And one day we were talking and she told me, oh, she doesn't have this intimacy problem anymore. And I said, oh, that's great. And so I started to ask her some more questions. And I said, okay, well, why don't you tell me about the relationship you're in right now? And she said, oh, I'm not in a relationship. I haven't been in a relationship. And I'm not really thinking about getting into a relationship. And so I said to her, I said, well, did you really heal this part of you, or are you just avoiding facing it? And so this is the question really that I have is, I see when I post, when I was posting these things on social media, many people would condemn me, even yogis, which was very interesting because, you know, you think, well, this person is doing yoga, they can, uh, I guess you assume incorrectly, you know, because they're just a part of the population as well, that they can understand, you know, this false narrative of what's going on and they could not buy into the propaganda. But just like the population, there are some people that do and some people that don't. And just like yogis are the same, there's some people within this uh, community that buy into this and some that don't. But I was a little surprised. And some of them would, would condemn me saying, well, this is not a very peaceful way to look at things. And what I would think is this is kind of like putting your head in the sand. The problems still exist. And it's a problem for not just you, but many people, and most importantly, for the children of our society. And so at what point do we have a responsibility to address these things, to question what's going on, and to try to form a way for people who don't want to participate in this to survive and to actually thrive without participating in the system. So what I want to do today is to play an excerpt from a lecture that was given by Terrence McKenna. And I don't know how many of you out there know who Terrence McKenna is or, or was. He died, I believe it was in uh, 2000. 
and he was a very interesting person. I guess you can call him a philosopher or a psychonaut. He was really kind of an ethnobotanist, which is someone who studies plants and their practical uses. He was very big into psychedelics and would have these psychedelic experiences and then share his understanding with people through workshops and through lectures. And you can go on YouTube and listen to many of his lectures, and he is fascinating, whether you agree with everything he says or not. He is a very interesting person to listen to, and he speaks in a way that kind of keeps you fascinated with his voice and his speech patterns. And one thing that he really talked about quite a bit was really this negative impact of culture on our lives. And he talked about really overall and all the things he taught were really how to just look at life and your interaction and relationship with it in a a different way, trying to get you out of the norms that we find ourselves in. And and this is what happens. We, We get into these habit patterns, these patterns of living, and we start to see everything from these habit patterns. And you can see this throughout your life. You can see this throughout what's happening in culture these days. And so I wanted to just play this short few-minute excerpt from his lecture on the impact of culture on our lives and then have a little discussion about it afterwards. Now, the Recording of it that I can find was a little altered in in the way uh, many people who who take his lectures like to make them more mystical by playing strange music and affect changing the sound of of the voice coming from one speaker to the other and I and so I couldn't find something that was unadulterated but I think for a couple of minutes, audio, it's okay. You'll understand it. So listen to Terrence McKenna talking about the impact of culture on our lives. What civilization is is six billion people trying to make themselves happy by standing on each other's shoulders and kicking each other's teeth in. It's not a pleasant situation. And yet... You can stand back and look at this planet and see that we have the money, the power, the medical understanding, the scientific know-how, the love, and the community to produce the kind of human paradise. But we are led by the least among us, the least intelligent, the least noble, the least visionary. We are led by the least among us, and we do not fight back against the dehumanizing values that are handed down as control icons. Uh, This is something, I mean, I don't really want to get off on this tear because it's a lecture in itself, but culture is not your friend. Culture is for other people's convenience and the convenience of various institutions, churches, companies, tax collection schemes, what have you. It is not your friend. It, it insults you, it disempowers you, it uses and abuses you. None of us are well-treated by culture. 
uh, and yet we glorify you know, the creative potential of the individual, the rights of the individual, we understand the felt presence of experience is what is most important, but the culture is a perversion. It fetishizes objects, creates consumer mania, it preaches endless forms of false happiness, endless forms of false understanding in the form of swirly religions and silly cults. It, it invites people to diminish themselves and dehumanize themselves by behaving like machines. As Terence McKenna so eloquently articulated the problems with culture, we see its relevance today. So then the question becomes, what is our role when we think about culture, when we think about what is happening in society today as a yogi or as someone who is focused on self-awareness and self-realization, what is your role? How should we be interacting and expressing ourselves in these times? And there's the extremes, right? The one extreme is sticking your head in the sand and ignoring it. And many, I, I see many people doing this to the extent where they're just kind of saying, well, I'm going to do what is good for me and, 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 and focus on this. And part of this is good. You should focus on what is good for you and what is healthy for you. But we need to have some kind of empathy and some kind of compassion and want to educate people on the better way to live and to then put up some resistance to what is going on. But how much resistance and how much of ourselves do we dedicate to this? And this is the balance that is important to find. And there's the total disconnection where you just ignore it. And then there's the total connection where you're engulfed in the chaos. And both of these are not healthy. And we see how the media or the culture is trying to entrap you in this illusion of a community. Everyone can tell you what happened with Johnny Depp and his girlfriend, but they don't know what's really going on in Ukraine. They know the colors of the Ukrainian flag, but do they really know what's going on and how this war even really started before we were told? Intentionally, they're distracting you. Every hour, every day, they're playing this trial, giving you updates Oh, what did this person say today? Did they look at this person in the eyes? Did they react this way? It's just silliness. These poor people, whether it's it's one person or the other, they both have some issues that they need to deal with. And instead of empathizing with both of them, we're condemning one for the other. And they, and they both really need some compassion. Uh, one guy who who's at times, I think, been worth... $100 million or whatever, and he's got to go do this. And this poor girl, we're condemning her. She's got some deep issues that she needs help with. And what are we doing is, oh, look how bad of a person she is. Look at a crazy person she is. And what are we doing? And this is all done to distract you. It's all done to to hide what is really going on. And we have to, again, understand what is happening. 
and we can see the effects that it's happening on that's happening to our children. The suicide rate is up. They're having developmental problems with communication. They're having IQ problems. They're having anxiety, psychological trauma. I mean, I, I'm out on the street just the other day, and you see like 10, 12, 13-year-old kids wearing masks on the street. These kids have basically no risk from, from this, and they're in fear. Whether this is installed from society or from their parents, I, I don't know. But what are we doing to them? And this is the real problem that we should be thinking about. And I know that many of you who are listening who do have families, you're yogis and you're healthy people, and, and you're probably educating your children on on what is really happening, I hope, and, and so that they don't live in this fear and anxiety. But it has to be quite traumatic. I can't imagine being a child and having to deal with this and deal with this culture. I was watching some videos on YouTube the other day, and there were these these uh, reaction videos. I don't know if anyone has seen these. It's quite funny where they, they were getting little kids to, to listen to music from the 70s or the 80s or and their reaction to it, how what they thought of it, and and this is some of them. But I was listening, I was watching uh, this reaction video from these tribal people from Pakistan, and they were showing them different music, and they showed them Mister Rogers. I don't know, I have many listeners in Europe, and I'm not sure if if they played Mister Rogers in Europe anywhere. But I remember growing up listening to this or watching uh, Mister Rogers. And uh, there was a documentary that came out not too long ago. And all these tribal people, they're all very innocent uh, people who d- many of them had never heard of him. They, many, many of these people didn't even have TV. They didn't have, you know, they lived in a very uh, basic way in, in Pakistan in these small villages. And the one thing that they all said is the love that they thought that Mr. Rogers expressed in the way he was teaching the children things and how much love he had in his heart and how pure his teachings were. And while they said this person is a, a great person, this person is, is a master. And, and I, you look at this when you're older now and you, and you see the kindness in his voice and, and the kindness in his actions. And it got me to think about how we're teaching our children these days. What are we teaching our children these days? There's this push in the American schools for teaching kids as young as first grade and kindergarten about homosexual sex or trans sex or sex at all. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, it's incredible. I mean, you can go on. Twitter, you can go and watch these videos from teachers who are from this community, and they're saying, well, my first grade students like when I talk about my sexuality, and and there's all these videos like this. And I remember going to school, I didn't know if my teacher was even a real person. They didn't talk about sex and all this. Why Why are we talking about this with our children? What is it the teacher's role to talk about, even if it's straight sex or gay sex or whatever, whatever it is? You go to school and you're there to learn, especially when you're in first grade and second grade. 
you shouldn't be exposed to these things by a teacher. And so I would watch this this uh, Mr. Rogers in the way he would talk to the kids, and it was all done with love. It wasn't done from this neurotic emotional behavior. It was done through love, and it sure isn't what is happening now. And what are the effects of this going to be? We look at the kids today, the problems with anxiety, suicide, communication problems because of the the last two years, emotional problems. And you think about how is this going to progress? Well, what is the number one characteristic of all these kids who are shooting at their schools is that they're on these psychotropic drugs, which disassociate the kid from their own emotions. And when you do this, how can you empathize with someone else's emotions if you don't even feel your own? In fact, this is one of the common traits of serial killers, is that they lack the capacity to empathize with their victims. What are we doing by forcing these kids to wear a mask or to do school through the computer or creating this fear where we're disassociating them from their feelings. We're creating these neurotic beings who are incapable of emotional attachment. And this is what's going to happen. This is why we're seeing more and more shootings as we've created chaos. And when there are people who are unstable before this and who are now acting out, and this is just going to continue to get worse. About uh, 13 years ago, there's a documentary called The War on Kids. It talked about this zero-tolerance policy that they instituted, at least in the U.S., where, okay, you can't bring a gun to school, I understand this, but you can't even bring anything that resembles the shape of a gun. So a kid had a keychain with a little gun on it, so he's suspended. One kid cut a sandwich in the shape of a gun, he's suspended. He draws a gun on a piece of paper, he's suspended. This is the zero-tolerance policy. And so what happens when these kids grow up? We get the cancel culture. And this is what we're seeing today, some of these effects. You say something wrong, there's no excuse, you're fired. We want you removed from social media. We want you fired from your job. You should be cast out of society. And then the other aspect of this is they had the school newspaper and the teachers would a lot tell them which stories they can write about and which they couldn't. And then after doing this for a while, they gave the kids a poll saying, do you think the government should do the same thing with the, the newspapers where they should edit what is talked about and what is not talked about? And I forget the exact percentage, but it was something around 50%, if not more, agreed with this, that they should be edited. And we see what's going on today. These younger generations and some older people as well, but mainly the younger generations, are promoting censorship. And it's it's uh, really, who would have thought that the citizens would really be the ones who are promoting this, this censorship, this authoritarian uh, way of, of governing? And so when we look at what is our role, our role should be primarily in the example that we live 
And this is the best way to be a teacher is by representation of your life. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to be 100% perfect, but you should strive for living a healthy life, trying to be as authentic as possible and having integrity. And this is something that people are really lacking these days is integrity. They put economics and comfort before integrity. And this is something that I think more people should really focus on is how to put this in the forefront to say that this is the most important thing is how we live an authentic life is by being true to our true nature, being true to God, being true to the kindness that we express in our heart. But then again, it keeps getting to this question of what role do we play? Do we ignore what's happening in today's society? There has to be some understanding of what's going on because the more we go down this path, the more difficult it is going to be to change course. This path is going to be so entrenched with this control that uh, what are what are we going to do? You look, I just saw something uh, the other day that there is one camera in public for every two people in China. Think about that. So this is done for face recognition and, and to be able to study your movement and your your uh, behavior. But basically in the public sphere to monitor everyone, there's one camera for every two people in China. That's a lot of cameras. And so what do we do when this becomes the way of life in Europe and U.S.? Do we then tear them down or do we try to prevent this life before it begins? Look at what's happening in the world as far as war. I can tell you with 100% certainty there is not one government that cares about the Ukrainian people, including, and most importantly, the Ukrainian government. And I say this because if any of them cared about the Ukrainian people, there were many, many opportunities for a diplomatic solution. And I'm not saying that Putin is right for invading invading uh, Ukraine, but there have been many opportunities for diplomatic uh, negotiations to come to some kind of agreement, and including the UN, EU, US, Canada. All of these countries said no. They didn't want any diplomatic solution, so they forced the the puppet who is the Ukrainian president to continue this war and this is where all your money is going they're taking billions and billions of dollars from each government from Germany from US from Canada and they're sending it to where to the Ukraine and where are they sending it in the Ukraine to all the military uh, industrial complex corporate interests And why are they doing that? And so we go back to this idea of you will own nothing and you will be happy. Where is all the money going? And who is going to own all the things that you're not? And this is where there needs to be some understanding and there needs to be 
some resistance. We say, okay, the money went to the pharmaceutical companies for COVID. They made billions of dollars without negotiating prices because the government just took your tax money and they just paid it to them. And now your tax money is going to the military industrial complex and you're not having enough food in your shelves in the supermarkets. You're not able to pay for the gasoline because the prices are so high. Where is all this money going to these companies? Well, so we can say, oh, it's just this corporate interest, but it goes much deeper than this. If you look at the top shareholders of all these major companies, they're owned by the same four or five companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, and a a few other companies. In fact, BlackRock has trillions of dollars invested. They have more money invested than some than than the the GDP of, of countries. They're more powerful than countries with the amount of money that they use to push their agenda. And who owns BlackRock? Well, you look at BlackRock and Vanguard and they're the two biggest shareholders in almost every company. In fact, even companies that are in in competition with each other, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, these are the top shareholders. So no matter who wins that, they both, the, the companies profit from it. And so is there really competition? You go into the supermarket and there's all these products, but it's basically a few companies. And then if you look at the Owners of these companies, it's BlackRock, Vanguard, and a couple others. And so you look at who owns BlackRock, well, Vanguard does. And then you look at who owns Vanguard, and it's BlackRock. And so it's so muddy that you can't even find out who is the individual owners of these companies. And they are controlling this. This is where all the money is going. So whether it's going to the pharmaceutical companies or to the military-industrial complex or the oil companies, it's ending up in... BlackRock, Vanguard, and these other companies. And these companies are buying all the houses in America, so you they're paying premium 20%, 50% higher than the market rate so people can't buy them. Where is all this money going? And we see in the past couple of years, there's been a concentration of wealth. It's gone from the middle class, the poor people, to just a, a few rich people these owners of BlackRock, of Vanguard, of these companies. Then they're funding these organizations who are not elected but are having significant impact on the decisions that are made through these governments. You look at the World Health Organization or or what's the, the World Economic Forum, these organizations are culturally impacting you. And you can look at anything that they say and know that the opposite is true. Look at the government. They're talking about cracking down on misinformation. Why are they so interested in cracking down on misinformation is because they don't want the truth to come out. They are the, the perpetrators of the lies, And this is fine if they want to do this, but don't prevent the truth from coming out. And then you look now, the big push on cryptocurrency is bad. And why are they saying that? Because you look at the dollar or the euro, 
and the, the it's a it's a a pyramid scheme. They keep printing money to pay for the the loans that they're taking out, and it's devaluing all the money, and they can't continue this way. And they say all oh, the inflation is, you know, three and a half percent per year, or now it's up to seven percent, or whatever it is. These they're lies. This is not the accurate calculation of inflation. It's much higher than this. And it's uh, uh, indirect tax. If you have savings, now your savings is worth how much less? And your buying power is less. And it's a way to reduce your earnings. You know, up until 2019, wages were actually going up. If you look at wages in relationship to the CEO earnings and, and the shareholder earnings, they were actually going up, the, the earnings of the employees. And what is a way to reduce these earnings is through inflation because they raise the prices for everything so that the companies and the corporate interests are not affected by the inflation because they're earning more and so it compensates, but yet they don't raise your wages. And so you're earning less. And this is how they reduce your wages without reducing your wages and coming out and saying it. And this is what's going on. It's a big transfer of wealth. And this is why you will own nothing. And I don't know if you will be happy. How long can you sustain printing money to pay for the money you're borrowing that you're sending to other countries for the use of, of war? How long can you continue this? Would the U.S. give another $40 billion and a week later they give another $100 million? And there's people living on the streets. Same thing in Germany and all these other countries. All this money, what is it? It's, it, it's all this power struggle over the money. And who is going to win this? And the dollar and the euro, they're not going to be around in the state that they are much longer. They can't, it can't last. You're going to need wheelbarrows worth of, of money to, to be able to buy a loaf of bread. It's just a matter of time. This inflation, when you have this debt currency where you keep borrowing money to put it into to finance society, it, 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 it's a pyramid scheme. It can't end any other way than a catastrophe. And, and when this happens, there's going to be chaos. And so they talk about being able to control your money through the Federal Reserve dollar. And when this happens, it's all, all over for you. And this is why they're starting to condemn cryptocurrency. And it's funny because even the, the leader of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund was condemning the cryptocurrency, saying it has no value. <laughs> what is the value of the euro or the dollar? What's backing that? They just keep making it. And who's really in power? These the Federal Reserve System, which are all throughout the world privately owned. This is the transfer of wealth. This is why you're going to need to turn to cryptocurrency one that is not centralized, no government cryptocurrency. So this is another thing I think it's important to start to to wrap your head around is, is how to deal in cryptocurrency, how to understand it, and people who are creative is how to develop things to make it easier to use. 
to you know to be able to purchase things with cryptocurrency instead of having to translate it from a, a fiat currency to a, an electronic currency. And so this is another way we can fight back as there are creative people out there is to figure out ways to be outside of this system that they're creating. Because everything that they tell you, think about the opposite is actually true. It's it's so apparent. It, it, it's going back to this this culture. What is money anyway? But it's a, it's an energy at its essence, right? Money is neither good nor bad. What it is is it's the value, right? It's the value that you give to something, and when you try to get something for nothing, is when you get corrupted. And when you try to to get more than you deserve, it's this corruption of this energy. And there's a lot of karma attached to this for many, many people. This money is just an information system. We used to trade and barter, but this is really inefficient. Money became this information system. It's a record system, right? We we have this money in our bank account, and when we need to purchase something, we can access these records to show people we have this money to make this purchase. But as our as our society got more complex, it was inefficient again, just like the barter system became inefficient as the the society became more complex, and it's like an operating system as the demand grows and the types of use and application require more processing, there needs to be some more power, more speed, more flexibility in the monetary system. And the one that we're using now is not sufficient. Again, just like going from the barter system, we need something that is more efficient. You have a system where when you make one purchase of something, you're paying three or four different people for processing fees, for all this stuff. Why Why are you paying them? Why is it necessary to pay them? And then how long does that take? And the people who are in charge have been just putting patches to hold together this operating system that we use instead of fixing the operating system. Just like a computer operating system that has so many patches, it becomes vulnerable to viruses. And the system gets corrupted, it becomes inefficient. And this is what we're seeing in this system now, is all the vulnerabilities through this corruption of moving money from the taxpayers to these select group of shareholders that are trying to control the flow of money so they become billionaires or trillionaires soon. And the ones who are really controlling the system are not elected politicians, but they're the people that are sucking the value out of this operating system, the ones who are have manipulated and corrupted this. They're transferring all this processing power from the masses to the few. They're monopolizing all this processing power. And again, I said, look at the top shareholders of all these companies. It's the same group, the same four or five shareholders own almost every big company. They're worth trillions and trillions of dollars. And they're transferring this wealth through all these activities, whether it's a war, whether it's a pandemic, 
or a shortage in oil. What are we going to do? And so you look at these cryptocurrencies, and this is the way to go. Because how are they going to be able to manipulate this when you don't need them anymore? You can transfer billions of dollars in Bitcoin in a second. And how can they manipulate this? This is why they're going to try to stop this type of currency. And it's funny, like I said, they're trying to, each country is trying to condemn it, but at the same time, they're trying to create their own. And their own is much is, is worse because it's centralized. And if you want to really live outside of the system, even if you are a householder, you have to learn how to do these things because you may think right now, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, but what happens when your behavior becomes against the people in power? What happens when what you want to say becomes not accepted? Yeah, now I can't post on certain social media platforms because if I do, I'll be banned. And so you have to think about, well, can I say this here? Can I say this here? I don't want to think this way because whenever you have judgment, what I say is you can't have self-expression. Self-expression and judgment cannot coexist, not in its authentic, true nature. And this is what our purpose is, is the self-expression. And this is what we need to focus on, is look at the things that are trying to prevent you from expressing yourself, from trying to take away your peace of mind, to take away your compassion. And how do we share this with the people who don't understand? Or how do we express this to the children so that they can have a better future? And again, this is a question is we either stick our head in the sand or we go to the other extreme. And either way, they're not balanced and they're not peaceful. And this is something that I've been struggling with for the past couple of years is how much do I want to be involved in understanding this and researching this and and really looking at what is going on beyond the flag as your profile picture, the Ukrainian flag as your profile picture on your social media, what is really happening? And when you look at what is happening, you see that no one cares about the Ukrainian people. No government cares about them, including the Ukrainian government, including the U.S., including Europe, the EU. They're all promoting this this military occupation, and they want it to go on just like Afghanistan has 20-year transfer of trillions of dollars. And it's it's only going to continue. It's going to get worse. So what do you think we should do? I want to hear from you. I want to hear what balance do we need to have and how do we have this balance? And so we have to find a way to live this healthy life where we're not subjected to the tyranny of the control by the ignorant. Right? I know a lot of people talk about good and evil, but good and evil don't exist. It's just Ignorance and understanding, because once you understand the effects of your behavior, the effects of what you are doing, and when I talk about the effects of how it affects you, because everything you do affects you. You do something and it harms someone else, 
but at the same time it harms you. So we should look at how are we doing things that are making people's lives easier, giving them a better opportunity to find their true self. And when you're impeding upon this or when you're infringing upon their authentic selves, what you're doing is creating karma for yourself, and this is ignorance. And so there's only understanding and ignorance, and once you understand this truth, then it's hard to harm someone else because you know what you're doing is going to affect you as well. And you have the compassion of not just how it affects you, but what effect you are having on the other. Because the other is you. We see the separation, but again, this is ignorance. And we need to really focus on this, on on how do we teach people not just this idea that we are one, but that by harming someone else, you are harming yourself. And maybe this is where we find this medium of not sticking our head in the sand or going extreme into into the chaos, but to find this way of how do we spread the message of love through unity instead of division? And meanwhile, how do we use our self-expression, our authentic nature, to find ways to be free from the potential hindrances that are being placed upon us through this idea of culture? Yeah, I really would like to hear from you to hear your ideas, because it's easy for me. I can understand where all this is going, and I can manipulate my environment to fit my needs without a problem. I understand the complexities and I understand the way to work around these things. But for many people, they don't. And so how do we help everyone so that we create a system that doesn't need to work around things, that the system that can empower society to live without worrying about the effects of this. So drop me a line. Let me know what you think and what you're doing. Maybe you have some ideas I don't. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. 
So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code The Story of Me Podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the program. I hope I didn't rant too much. But really, my intention with this podcast or with anything that I do is to help create awareness and understanding. And what I'm trying to do is just help create the space for you to create your own awareness and your own understanding. It may not necessarily be the same as mine. It could be different depending on your karma and your your nature. But what I want to do is just help you create the space by being able to look at things maybe in a different way. And hopefully this episode did that for you. Again, please continue to support the podcast uh, by sharing it with a friend. If you know someone that you think would enjoy it, share it with them. Help me get the word out and make a donation. Help support this podcast so I can continue to bring it to you and maybe get some video uh, going so that you can see some of the people that I interview or, I don't know, watch me speak, whatever you want to do. Okay, so from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions.